So many stories fill the pages of life. Some chapters you can be proud to tell. Others you would rather skip. The day life really turns a page is when you let God be the author of your story. Let God write your story and you'll live a story worth telling. Acts 27, 39 through 44. And essentially, just a little background on this. Paul is essentially a prisoner and he is en route and, this, and he's on a ship with other prisoners and this ship has been in a storm for days that's just terrorizing them. And this is where we're going to pick it up in verse uh, 39. When day came, the sailors did not recognize the coast, but they noticed a bay with a beach and decided that, if possible, they would run the ship aground there. So they cut off the anchors and let them sink into the sea. And at the same time, they untied the ropes that held the steering oars. Then they raised the sail at the front of the ship so that the wind would blow the ship forward, we, and we headed for shore. But the ship hit a sandbank and went aground. The front part of the ship got stuck and could not move, while the back part was being broken to pieces by the violence of the waves. The soldiers made a plan to kill all the prisoners in order to keep them from swimming ashore and escaping. But the army officer wanted to save Paul. So he stopped them from doing this. Instead, he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and swim ashore. And the rest were to follow, holding on to the planks or to some broken pieces of the ship. And this is how we all got home safely or we all got safely ashore. Pastor Brandon went on to say this, that God can get you to your destination on broken pieces. God can get you to your destination on broken pieces. Pieces of you thought of what it was, the broken pieces of life. We think that God is only capable of getting us to our destination on whole pieces. But God utilizes the broken pieces in our life to perform absolutely miraculous things. You see, you can still make it on broken pieces. You don't have to depend on, on what you lost. Your journey is not dependent on what you don't have. But it's dependent upon the broken pieces that you still have that can keep you afloat to get you safely to shore. God does not need what you've lost. But he needs is what you have left. That's all he needs are those remaining broken pieces. So what do we do? We grab a hold of those broken pieces of life and we allow those broken pieces to get us to where God wants us to be. More importantly, he allows or we allow those broken pieces to cause us to become who he wants us to be. Regardless, regardless of where you are in your journey, regardless of what your story has been up to this point, with God, the rest of your story can be the best of your story. The rest of your story can be the best of your story. The decisions we make today will determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. Oftentimes, we limit that decision, though, to one question. And it's that question, God, what do you want me to do? The better question is, God, what do you want me to be? 
God, what do you want me to be? Because he wants us to become something in this journey. God's will is far more about who you are than what you do. And it's more, so much more than about doing so much more about than, than, than doing. It's more about becoming, so much more about becoming than doing. Because God wants you to become something. And once you become what God wants you to become, it makes the doing part of it so much easier. St. Augustine said this, love God and do whatever you want. If we truly love God, if we're truly driven and motivated by the love for God, then what we do will be honoring and pleasing to him without question. Friends, this is so much more about becoming than just doing. So today, we're going to unpack the power to become. Each one of us here are in a different place and a different stage and a different journey in this life. But God will take the journey that we're on and use it for something wonderful if we allow him to do so. No matter where you are in that, you are specifically, you may not believe this, but you are specifically wired. Your schematic is for this season right now. And I'll be honest, every time I thought, God, you have messed up the schematic. But he's got you wired for this right now because he knows how you are wired and he knows how to route you directly where you need to be. And he knows how you need to become as well. As we start this series, the rest of the story, today I'm going to share just some of the story that Patty Joe and I have been on, some of the journey that we've been on over the past 10 years in particular. But we've been married for, it'll be 30 years next August. Or no, this August, next month. Wow. I know, yeah. And most, most of y'all are thinking, bless her heart. Bless her heart. And I know the rest of you are thinking, how can that be? You look so young. Why are you laughing? We got married when we were six, okay? Now, God has blessed us. God has blessed us with four wonderful daughters. Uh, our daughters are our champions. Patty Joe is my hero. Uh, we got married, uh, again, it, it'll be 30 years ago in August. When we first got married, <clears throat> I had, actually, um, before we got married, I was serving, I uh, had just graduated from Bible college and was offered a ministry position here in Knoxville, over at Knoxville Christian Center, over on Cedar Bluff Road, Pastor Barry Culberson. And I think, bless Pastor Barry's heart, because I was young, green, didn't have a clue what I was doing. I remember calling friends up and saying, hey, I'm a youth pastor, what do I do? You know, and, and really, <laughs> I'm glad he didn't know that at the time. But it probably became obvious to him before long. Um, <coughs> but I appreciate him so much for giving us the opportunity. But it was really during that time that we developed a love and a heart for Knoxville. And we just, it felt like home immediately for us. And God just really birthed a love for the community and for East Tennessee during that time. We served there for about two years and then went on to be on staff at a church in uh, northern Alabama, uh, Arab, Alabama. Anybody ever heard of Arab? Arab, anyone, anyone? Any, okay, <laughs> wow, wow. That's, Arab is, I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere. And 
It, but it was a great, beautiful area up there on Verley Mountain. We served there for six years, and then we moved to eastern North Carolina to Havelock, North Carolina. Anyone? Havelock? Havelock? Anyone? Yeah, okay, maybe. Yeah, like, and some people go, Havelock? Mm. Now, Marine Corps community, great community. Uh, really loved the people there. God gave us great opportunity to serve and to minister there. Uh, as an associate executive pastor. And I'm telling you what, we had the favor of God just about on everything that we did, to be honest. Um, it was, we went 16 years of unbridled ministry success. It was as though everything that we touched, God just blessed. It turned to gold. I remember one day sitting, I was sitting in my office across from the pastor's office, and we were talking about doing some advertising on television and doing some commercials. And, and the ad rep said, hey, uh, would you think about doing a 30-minute broadcast on Tuesdays and Sundays? And the pastor, he said, hey, Todd, can we do a broadcast? And I said, yeah, we can do a broadcast. And I thought, how in the world are we going to do a broadcast? I had no clue how to do it. But God just put the right people and the right things in place, and it happened. And, and so we had this wonderful time of success. But about 2007, 2008, the advent of social media, uh, MySpace was the thing to have back at that time. <laughs> got reconnected with some of the individuals that were in our youth ministry here in Knoxville. And, and we just really felt like God wanted us to move back here to start a church. And we were very excited about it and committed to it. Our church sent us out with great blessing, great favor. Uh, we rented our house out that we had just moved into a couple years or a few years prior to that. Five bedroom, three baths, brand new home. Now listen, in my family, three bathrooms are critical because there are five females in the house. If anybody has an extra bathroom that we can use from time to time. <laughs> Left a great paying position, cashed in the retirement, packed up the Penske and moved to Knoxville, Tennessee to start a church. And we got here and nothing worked. Nothing. <laughs> and it was as though we went from this golden touch to God just writing Ichabod over the door. The glory has departed and and nothing seemed to be going right. You know, after 16 years of success and great ministry, nothing seemed to be going right. And that mind monster of failure, 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 just would eat away at me all the time. It did not take us long to understand that in that time and in that season that God wanted to do more in us than he wanted to do through us. Because he wanted us to become something that we weren't. And he had his best interest and intention in mind. God is more concerned, and this is in your notes, God is more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. God is more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. And, and if we allow him through those difficulties and through those hardships to develop the character that he desires, something good will come about. But so often we get hung up on the what and the why as opposed to the, the who. Who does God want me to become in this time? So many times I would ask God, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? 
And you know what? There were times, honestly, I'm just going to be transparent with you all this morning. There were times I felt like God just got smart-alecky with me. And he would just say, who do you want to become? Who do you want to be? And so he never would answer the question, God, what do you want me to do? It was always, who do you want to be? Because he was more concerned about the character than the performance. We learn that God loves us so much simply because we're sons and daughters of the Most High. He loves us just because of who we are, not because of what we do or we don't do. It's not based on our performance. It's based on the relationship because he is our father. We must believe that every action that God has toward us is motivated by his love for us. Every action that he has toward us is motivated by his love. God is on our side in this, in the struggle. He's with us. He's not on the other side of the table. He's not the opposition. But we partner with him, and he partners with us to tackle the problem. You see, because he wants us to become something. Every action that God has toward us is motivated by his love for us. And in that season, God allowed a time of uh, of recalibration. And I'm going to be honest, it's still a season of recalibration. It's still a season of, of realignment. It's still a season of adjustment. But we allow God to make those adjustments. It's as though he's reformatting our hard drive. That he's, he's wiping it completely clean, putting just a bunch of zeros and ones on it so that he can write over it the system that he wants to have in our lives. You see, after about a year of nothing working, nothing working, nothing working, we decided that, it was gonna, it, that, that we needed to pull the plug and that we needed to get on with the next place and the next destination that God had. The issue was we didn't know where that was or where we were going to go. We packed everything up, put it in Dixie Lee storage down there at Dixie Lee Junction and sat there for about a year. While we tried to figure out those pieces. For about two months, we lived with family and friends trying to figure out, God, where are you going to take us? What, 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 are, what is this that you want us to become? And at the end of that two-month time period, I called Patty Joe's former employer back in North Carolina. And I inquired about a job for me. He offered a job to her. I said that she would take it. And she didn't want it. <laughs> but we knew something had to happen. And so we moved back to eastern North Carolina. Everything's still in storage here in Knoxville, Tennessee. We moved back to eastern North Carolina. The church that I was on staff at is not in position to bring me back on staff. We begin to, I begin to send my resume out all over the country. And I'm looking for a job locally. And everything there, you're either a commercial fisherman or you're uh, associated with the military. Neither experience. I go to work at Chick-fil-A, and it was a pleasure. <clears throat> but I will say this, that that was probably one of the most God-ordained times in my life because of the recalibration, because of the rerouting, because of the, the, the new system that God was beginning to download into my hard drive. And see, 
we were able to throw everything aside because it all of a sudden became far more than doing. It just became all about being. And so we, we as, as I began to, you know, embrace the Chick-fil-A chapter, and um, I, I struck up a friendship with, with uh, a local pastor, executive pastor, and I would just go over to his office sometimes after I'd get off work, and I'd just sit in his office, and we would chat. And I remember one day, Paul looked at me, and he said, Todd, what's God saying? And I looked right back at him and said, Paul, I don't have any idea. He said, I know how to hear from God. I know how to apply what he has said, but I, I'm, I, don't, know, I don't know what he's saying. And he opened the Bible, and he turned to Job, uh, Job chapter 23. Verses 8 through 10 says, this is in, in your note. It's not in your notes, but it says, But if I go to the east, he is not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him, but he knows. About, and when he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows. Listen to this. He knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Friends, you may not know where he is. You might be hanging on to that piece of, piece of uh, your broken piece out in the middle of the Mediterranean. But he knows where you are. He knows where you are. And he's got a plan and he's got a purpose. And you will become who he wants you to be. We just have to hang on to that broken piece. We hang on to our broken pieces. And God moves us to where he wants us to be. Shortly after that, I ended up going on staff at that church, served there for three years. It became a, a place of, of kind of restoration. It was a safe place. It was healing. But we still went through challenges. During that time, we, uh, we were robbed. We went home one day and found a window smashed in the house, and somebody had broken in, and you know, <laughs> we were broke. So they were disappointed, I know, because they didn't find anything to take. They took... They took phone chargers. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> they found a money bag, but it was empty. <clears throat> we clawed through financial devastation. My wife, Patty Jo, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. She went through multiple surgeries, radiation, uh, over a year of chemotherapy. She's cancer-free today. God, God healed her. Yes. But in the midst of all of that, we could not shake Knoxville, Tennessee. And as soon as the doctor gave us the green light and said that she's cancer-free to go and live your life, he said, we got to head back to Knoxville. And so we thought, let's go back to Knoxville. We've got a little bit better strategy. We've got a little bit better understanding what we need to do. So in September 2015, we packed up again. God miraculously provided a way for us to get back here. And we were ready to launch Anchor Church version 2.0. We were associated with with ARC, Association of Related Churches. We were ready to launch. And then all of a sudden, uh, or or, or we were ready to go. And we find that, well, our hope was to, to launch about a year from the time we arrived. When we got here... Uh, we, had, we, we came across Brandon and Kara at City Hills Church, uh, being another Ark Church plant here in the community. And when we got here, we, uh, we began to attend City Hills Church over on in, at West Valley Middle School. 
we would walk in, the six of us, we'd walk into the second row. We'd fill up our row, worship the Lord, listen to preaching, amen, and then we would go back home. And, and so we did that, and, and part of the reason was just because they, Brandon Care graciously opened the church up, uh, but we just knew that we were here to plant a church. And so it's kind of an awkward time frame because you're kind of in no man's land because you can't really get connected with the people that you're with because you can't take those people to go start your church. And so we would come and kind of go do our thing. But we continued to experience challenges and difficulties. And then uh, about a year ago, we just, you know, it, it became apparent that, that it just wasn't going to work for us again. And it rocked us because I thought, not a second time, not time number two. It's got to work. And so last year, about this time, we, we decided, hey, we, let's hit the pause button on this and just really get some direction to find out what God wants in this process. And upon hitting that pause button, um, God got up with Pastor Brandon and said, uh, listen, this is what we're doing right now, and, and, um, and we just need a place where we can be. And, and again, just opened, opened City Hills wide up to us. And that was right at the first part of August during our 21 days of prayer. And so during those 21 days, just really took time to concentrate and pray on that. And, and, and it became obviously uh, clear to us that, that we just needed to, to shut that door, make the final closure on Anchor Church, and really lock arms and hearts here at City Hills Church. And I remember sitting at Sammy's restaurant with Pastor Brandon and uh, telling him what was on our heart. And saying that, you know, we may not, uh, you know, Anchor Church will never come into existence. But if we can do our part to anchor City Hills Church, we'd be honored to do so. And I remember that day that I asked him, I just said, Pastor Brandon, will, will you be my pastor? And, and at that time, when, when that transition began to take place, we began to see there being a settling that began to happen as well. But you see, we went on to our next steps. Uh, and committed ourselves, and next steps again happening today after, after uh, round three. Um, and you've got an opportunity, you know, today to, to lock arms and hearts with us. But, but what I want us to see is this, is that God is so much more concerned about who we are than what we do. He's so much more concerned about what we're becoming. You see, the story is not over. Our story is not over. Your story is not over. Jesus changes everything. Jesus Changes everything. No matter what your story looks like, no matter what the mess may feel like, he changes everything if we allow him to. Here's what I want you to take away today. God always cares more about who before do. He cares about who you are greater than what you do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says, God wants you to be holy. He wants you to be. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to be set apart. He wants you to be different from the world. He wants you to be like Jesus. God may never speak clearly, directly in his word about the career choice for your life, but he will speak in his word what you are to be. So no matter whether you're a veterinarian or whether you're working at Chick-fil-A, you're doing all for the glory of God, and you're all doing as unto the Lord, and you're being faithful to the Lord. God's will is more about who you are than what you do. If you're becoming the right who, you will choose the right do. If you become the right who, you will choose the right do. God is 
always cares more about the why before the what. He always cares more about the why before the what. Proverbs 16 verse 2 says, You may think everything you do is right, but the Lord judges your motives. The Lord judges your motives. Psalm 39 verses 23 and 24 says this. Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and leave me in your way everlasting. It's a psalm we're crying out saying, God, just search me. And what happens is this. If we allow the circumstances to dictate, that will suppress the searching that can take place in our heart. But when we, when we say, God, let, let's, let's separate the circumstance, search me. What do you want me to become in this? Who do you want me to become in this? The doing will take care later, but who do you want me to become in this? Galatians chapter 1, verse 10 says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I still were trying to please people, I wouldn't even be a servant of Christ. You see, we can't get to the right place with the wrong motives. We won't do the right what if we are driven by the wrong why. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3 and 7, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. God's will is always who before do and why before what. If you are becoming the right who, God will help you choose the right do. If you're becoming the right who, God will help you to choose the right do. If we're driven by the right why, God will lead us to the right what. You see, the journey that we're on, the story that we're telling, the power to become, all has to do with God. It all has to do with, with what He wants and His purpose and His plan. Your circumstance will try to tell you otherwise. The mind monsters will eat at you and try to direct you the other way and to keep that from happening. One of the, the, the final pieces for us before we moved at, at, in the end of 2011 and, and, and really began to go on this unknown part of the journey. I had received a phone call from a friend of mine named Dan Webb. Dan called me. It was shortly after I'd just gotten off the phone. I had applied for a position with the post office. And I had gone through all the, the application process. And the, the last piece that I needed to go through was basically a, a personality or a character assessment. And I thought, and, and, and please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, but I thought, I've seen people who work at the post office. I think I can do this. <laughs> now, if you work for the, uh, the postal department, bless you and thank you. And it's no reflection, okay? But I just thought, hey, this is a job I'm pretty confident that I can do. And so I went through the application process. I filled out the assessment. And one Saturday morning, I got up, and I walked out to check my email, and I got a response back, and, it, and I received the email, and it said, you have failed the assessment. 
And I thought, what? How do you fail an assessment? And, and I was devastated. And within an hour, I get a phone call from Dan Webb. And Dan called me, and I had only met Dan one other time, and I really didn't even remember meeting him. <clears throat> I had done a wedding for his niece. And I met him at that wedding, and, and Dan called me up that morning, and, and, and we began our conversation. And I kind of gave him the background and told him what was going on. And, and Dan said, Todd, God woke me up in the night, and he told me to tell you this. This moment does not define you. This moment does not define you. I'm telling you, friends, every moment was failure, failure, failure. Every moment was, was going down, bottoming out, not making it. And what happened is this. It was in that moment that I realized this, this moment does not define me. But who defines me? God defines me. God defines you. No matter what you do, because the doing part will come as long as we are becoming who he wants us to be. Some of you today are facing challenges. Some of you today are facing decisions. Again, the decisions we make today define the stories that we tell tomorrow. The rest of your story can be the best of your story with God. Because God is concerned about who you are becoming, not only what you're doing. If we get the, the do right, if we get the who right, he'll get the do right. Friends, this is what I'd like for us to do. I want us to stand up, okay? Let's stand up. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to enter back into worship. We want to give you an opportunity to receive ministry this morning. There might be some of you here, you're facing challenges that you never thought you'd face. Things have gone wrong. Things have not worked out the way you'd anticipated. And today can be your day. Because Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. And today is your opportunity to bring Jesus into the middle of that mess. To allow him to change everything. So in just a few minutes, we're going to have serve team members that are going to come forward. If you need prayer, don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed of the mess. Because Jesus wants to meet you right where you are and change everything. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus and we're praying for your the power of the Holy Spirit to minister in this moment to change lives. Whether a person has been walking with, with you for a long time or whether they just began this journey or whether just knocking on the door, Father, we're inviting Jesus in to change everything. 